will we ever make it to Easter? It seems like Lent has been dragging on forever and ever, doesn't it? It's been the heaviest Lenten season I think I've ever experienced. Feels like it'll never end. I'm tired of walking in the wilderness. I'm tired of COVID-19. And I was just wondering, do you think we're going to make it to Easter? So let's start back. Start back at the beginning of our living into the story. Some of you may have missed pieces of it, and I want to be sure we're all on the same page. So I'm going to give you the cliff note version of how this season has progressed and how we have entered the passion story. We entered as observers, seeking to uncover our own truth and hopefully experience an encounter of the divine kind that somehow will change our hearts. I don't know about you all. I sure do need an encounter of the divine kind right now. The week before Ash Wednesday, our dear Miss Elnora was diagnosed with cancer and came home on hospice care. BUCC went ahead with Lent. We had our Ash Wednesday service and afterwards, a few of us headed over to Miss E's house. There were singers, i.e. that means everybody was singing except for me. And we prayed and we had a little bit of church. Marsha and I administered communion to Miss E one last time. I broke the tiniest piece of bread off and placed it on her lips. And Marsha held the tiny little cup up of juice and she drank it. As I imposed ashes on her that night, I cannot tell you how sacred and spiritual and how the words I said were so significant. I said, Miss E, one day God stirred up a little bit of dust and threw in a whole lot of love and a speck of sassy and created you. And it was good. And you lived and loved and shared that love. But one day, one day very soon, this old body that holds that love, it's going to return to dust. But you, dear friend, and y'all know I loved her will always be in the presence of love. And then we had a little bit more church. It was one of those take your shoes off kind of moments. And y'all know I have a lot of those. But man, I'm thankful for that last little worship together at the bedside and for the life of that little sweet woman who taught us how to live and how to die. And then we started off celebrating Palm Sunday, which was a little early since today's Palm Sunday. We heard about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, which was occupied by the Romans. It was a counter-cultural entry. It drew all kinds of tension. You know, Pontius Pilate himself was having his own parade. The Jews were celebrating the Passover feast, and old Pontius He wanted to make sure that they knew who was in charge. But there came Jesus. There came Jesus in a way that no other parade had ever been done. And you see, the people had heard about this radical love this man carried, and they came up 
and they started waving their palms and throwing their cloaks on the ground, and there came Jesus on a little donkey, a different kind of parade. Most likely, I suspect that Jesus chose this time to enter the scene. I'd like to think that Jesus knew what he was doing, that he had a plan, because as Amy Jill Levine says in her book, if one is going to confront any system that prevents human wholeness, be it poverty or sickness, lack of compassion or social and economic disparity, one better have a plan. I don't think it was a mistake that Jesus chose the time of the Passover when all the crowds were gathered together to make that statement. And what a statement Jesus made. Within a week, all that had been projected and foretold in scripture was going to be fulfilled. And just as Jesus had told his friends trying to get them ready. We then are enter the story where Jesus is confronting the economic disparity in the temple. Turning over tables. It wasn't about selling things. It was about being unfair and unjust and price inflation and treating people differently based upon their place in society. So Jesus got really mad that day. I guess if Jesus can have a bit of anger, perhaps it's okay that we sometimes feel that emotion when things are not just or fair. That passion that Jesus had that day can and will drive all of us towards some change. And then it didn't stop there. Jesus went to the temple. And the Pharisees, who were scholars, they tried to trick him into saying something against the Roman government. Should we pay Caesar? Should we pay Caesar? Jesus said, render into Caesar what is due Caesar. He then lifted up the verse that is he considered the most important. You shall love God, and you shall love neighbor, and you shall love yourself. Love is the greatest of all commandments. Jesus stirred up something. He stirred it up everywhere he went because he was fearless. He said what he thought was right, and he lived it out. Let me tell you, if you've ever met anybody who just does a little bit of that, it's going to scare the heck out of you. You see, Jesus was authentic and real and concerned. He shared a countercultural, radical kind of love. Radical love calls us out. It calls us out of our comfort zone. It makes us examine things that we convince ourselves we can't do. You know, we all say those things to ourselves. You know, we're not right. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not something enough. And then that radical God love of Jesus calls out our best self. And as we experience this week, we find that radical love comes with a cost. It comes with a the cost of confronting wrong, calling out evil, sharing radical love. Man, radical love is a costly kind of love. But I believe Jesus knew what he was doing. You know, he could have snuck out of the town in the middle of the night, you know, caused up a stir, then left out the back gate. That's what most of us would have done. 
But he did not. He just kept heading toward Easter, knowing that the in-between was going to be hard and difficult and bumpy and scary, but yet he faced it, modeling for us what we might have to do someday in our life, leading us toward Easter resurrection. Then our Miss E passed away. And as a community of faith journeyed together through grief and tears and emptiness, and we celebrated the life of that incredible woman, I saw that radical love being lived out in all of you. Flowers and food and hospitality. And I tell you this, as a pastor, I don't know that I've ever, ever been more proud of the way you served her family and how you celebrated her life. That was the last time we were together physically. At her home going, suddenly COVID-19 came along. And we had to wrestle with whether to gather as a community of faith or not. Andy hadn't made that decision for us yet. So right after Miss E's funeral, we gathered back in the back of the church and we talked about it. And you know we want it to gather with you because we love you and we love being together. But here's where it came down to. It was not worth the risk of losing even one of you or making one of you sick because we loved you so much. So thank goodness we have Kenny and we had to find out a different way of doing ministry. You know, I never imagined being some kind of televangelist, live stream <laughs> minister. But thank God, Kenny showed us how and we've come up with ways to worship as a family. And it's still good, isn't it? We're still connected and we still love each other and we're still able to nurture each other. And that was off script right there. <laughs> and we gather on Monday through Saturday to have pastor chats. And I'm not sure how many of you even listening because everybody's watching to see who's on there and giving virtual hugs and asking how each other are while we're talking. But my favorite part's reading the comments afterwards. After all that news talk and we're feeling bad and well, with us not being together as a community, you know, it's kind of stressful. But I find that I'm comforted by being with you all at night. It makes me feel all loved and warm and during this stressful time, man, don't we need to feel loved and warm? What wonderful love and care you're sharing with the world each day. Be you CC, be the church. You're living into it, living out your faith. It makes us so proud to see radical God love delivering groceries and picking up dog food and delivering toilet paper and taking people to the doctor. Be you CC, you're being the church and you're being God's love in the world. Man, that's good. Last Sunday, Kenny talked about the human side of Jesus. And we learned about the anointing of Jesus' feet with precious oil. You know, the money keeper, Judas, he didn't like that act much. You see, he kept the common purse, and of course he did. He didn't like it because he had a habit of reaching into it and helping himself to the common money. Jesus accepted that gift of anointing from a woman. That was a little countercultural too. 
the lavishness of oil and the symbolism. It was as, it was as if this woman was pre-anointing Jesus for that which was going to follow. Jesus said she was going to be remembered. And that brings us up to today. It really seems like Easter's never going to get here, doesn't it? The COVID-19 outbreak continues to keep us from meeting. We pin ourselves to the nightly news trying to hear the stats and all the while wondering if it can really be real. Last Wednesday night, I'd been in a conference call all day listening to the expected impact on Lexington, Kentucky and UK healthcare. I was in shock. I was startled. I really didn't believe, want to believe that any of this was true. And it was my night together. To be honest, I didn't feel like talking to y'all much that night, but I did. And I talked about prayer. Perhaps that night I was talking to myself that there was no ought in prayer, no special way to do it. And when I got off that night, I felt my spirits lifted because I'd been with you. And I could feel your love and your concern and your generous spirit and oh, I could feel a little bit of Easter maybe. I still don't know if it's ever gonna get here though. This week we look at the stories of Jesus at the Last Supper, gathered there with people they loved. But I suspect some in the room may not have even liked each other. Some might have even not even wanted to be there. But one last time, Jesus and his friends and all the others in the room were together. And Jesus took that bread and broke it. And he held the cup and blessed it and foretold about what was going to happen. You see, Jesus knew his time was nearing end. For taking such a risk to expose societal boundaries and systemic sin can result in bad outcomes. And we know what kind of outcome it, it had for Jesus. And Jesus knew that one of his brothers at the table was going to betray him. Perhaps there was a rumor going around. I imagine people whispering, what do you think Judas is going to do? But you know what? Jesus still gathered around that table. And he broke bread and he drank the cup and he shared love even with that guy who was about to betray him. That's pretty deep, I think. I don't know if I could do it. I'd try maybe, but I don't know if I could do it. And he told them there, soon, I'm not going to be here in body, but my heart and my spirit will always be with you. I promise so that when you eat and drink, I want you to remember my life, and I want you to live out my love. Eating together builds community. Any of y'all ever gather around that table with your family? It's where we tell our stories and live out our truth with each other. When we gather at table with people from different walks of life, we celebrate our diversity. Our diversity in the human family. And we celebrate that we're all connected by the source of all power, the power of love, even if even when we eat with those who betray us, even when we'd rather not. If we're willing to sit at the table, then during these times, that little crumb of Hawaiian bread and that little cup of juice becomes so much more than a little meal. 
It is the unfolding of the holy inside of us. It is listening to God love. It's feeling it. It's letting God become part of us. Before you know it, it can transform you. After dinner, Jesus showed us how to lead as a servant because he got down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. Perhaps he maybe learned that lesson from the woman anointing his feet. And so now he too is preparing his disciples and us for the next journey in life. Kenny, you probably remember this too. I remember foot washings back in that little church we used to attend as a kid. I remember watching people line up with that aluminum dishpan and water and people getting down on their knees and washing feet. I didn't get in line. I remember looking at some pretty ugly feet and thinking, I'm not ever going to do that. Wash people's feet. You know, the women would even leave their stockings on and stick their feet down in the water and put them put their shoes back on. Fast forward a few years. I was serving at a local Presbyterian church. And the minister was preaching this scripture. And I said to her, when you read that scripture, I'm going to wash your feet. Now, I tell you, that didn't come from me. God must have come on over me because I wasn't planning on washing nobody's feet. But I got on my knees, and I poured that warm water, and as she read that scripture, I took the water and splashed up over her feet. It wasn't too bad. It was a mystical experience for me, a connection, an act of love, and I've never read that scripture the same since. One day I'll tell you about the time the woman asked me to put her socks on in the Goodwill store, but that's for another day. <laughs> Following dinner, Jesus goes to the garden to pray. Nobody was able to stay awake. It was probably 8 o'clock, like my bedtime or something. You know, sometimes we all fail. We all fall asleep. We all miss something. We say we won't, but we do. But you know, that didn't matter to Jesus. He kept right on praying, praying for that cup to pass from him. Now, I tend to get a little uncomfortable with our story of faith come about this time when Jesus gets to the garden. I want to skip right from the dinner, right on over to Resurrection Sunday, because I know what comes in between it. It's hard stuff. It shows the ugly part of humanity, and it makes me sad to think on some days not much has changed. Not much has changed in our world of politics and relationships. We keep trying, but there's still some of that ugliness in the world. One lesson we got from Jesus in the garden is this. It is okay to pray for yourself. I hear folks all the time saying, oh, I hate to ask for prayer for myself. But listen, Jesus is telling us right there in the garden. He knew something bad was coming, and he's just prayed. And he prayed. And if we pray, prayer does something for us. And sometimes we don't get what we ask for. But that praying, it gives us hope. And it teaches about trust. So go on from now. You pray for yourself as you pray for others. There in the garden was a pivotal moment. Guards came up. The story was that some of the disciples were there and one of them cut the ear off. 
But Jesus, he never fought any of them. He picked that ear up off the ground and put it right back on the man's face where it belonged. Nonviolent, he proceeded toward what was inevitably going to happen. Suffering, pain, beating, spitting. He willingly, without resistance, began his journey toward the cross. A lot goes on between Palm Sunday and Easter in our story of faith. And when we allow ourselves to enter into the story, there is hope that we too will find fragments of how to live faithfully, how to love deeply and radically, how to not be afraid to turn over the tables or speak up for the underdog. Our story teaches us to honor each other, to eat together in the holy meal, even if we don't want to, even if we don't like it even when we don't even like each other, because at this table is God. And even when we can't change, God can. And God will change us. Easter's a long, long way away. It seems like Lent, Lent's taken forever, and the wilderness journey this year sure has been a tough one. Is Easter really going to come? Y'all think it will? Sorry, I gotta get a drink. Can we make it this year? You know we're probably not gonna be together. We're not gonna get to get those Easter suits out, and y'all know we we always look forward to what Billy Metcalf's gonna wear. <laughs> no Easter eggs. No kids running around, no grass, no hugs. No up from the grave sung at the top of our lungs together. I'm not sure I can make it. I'm not sure I can make it till we gather together again. Will Lent ever end? And then I remember. Behind the heavy Lent moments of all our lives, Easter, it happens over all the time. People fall down and get up, recover. People hurt each other and heal. COVID overtakes the world and keeps us hostage from our stores and our baseball games and our friends and our church gatherings. And then you know what? People show their best selves in any way they can. Can we make it to Easter? Surely we can live into the wild possibility that on the other side of all this, we too will have a spiritual and emotional resurrection. Our tired, exhausted spirits will one day gather again in this room and we will sing and I bet the howdy duty time will last the whole service. <laughs> you know, we're learning some things that we like to have a hug every once in a while. That we like to have a cup of coffee with a friend, that we can relish a smile. And while it seems to me like Easter's a long way off, I'd put my money down in a bet. Lent's gonna end. And while it seems dark like a tomb right now, one day real soon, the sun is going to break out, and I'm going to say it as wildly possible that soon, very soon, we're going to come to the end of Lent, and Easter resurrection is going to happen. It is wildly possible 
that even when we think the sun is never going to shine, we will seal the rays pulling us toward and out of this Lenten darkness. It is wildly possible for us to believe in love even when we don't feel it. And it is wildly possible God who has the power to move stones and pull us out toward re resurrection even if we don't understand how it happens. It happens. I'd say there is a wildly unabashedly possible chance that Easter's on its way right now and I can't wait. Thanks for listening to the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.